when it is breeding season, that's all they do. Well, um, so what should humans do? Like if we're ever in that situation with sea lions? Give them their space. First of all, they they don't go out and swim. They don't go out and eat. They will drop a bunch of weight because oh, they're only thinking about one thing, two things. <laughs> one of them is obvious and the other one is sleeping. Oh, oh wow. Like a typical man. Hi, I'm Cindy Simmons, and this is See the World with Cindy Simmons. The whole goal of this podcast is to take you on an eye-opening journey and see the world through the lens of animal rescue, care and conservation, exciting family adventures, and interesting people. So this summer, I saw a funny but pretty interesting TikTok, because I love me some TikTok, where it looked like sea lions were chasing beachgoers in California, my home state, and it's been viewed over 12 million times. So we're going to dive in and learn all about what the sea lions were actually doing and much more about these magnificent animals. So joining us today, Eric Ogen, he is the VP of Zoological Operations for SeaWorld San Diego. Hi, Eric. Hi, how are you? I am doing well. I will not forget your name at all because that is also my husband's name. It's so good to meet you. We're glad you're here. Great to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Eric, the the main thing that I always love to ask right at the beginning of our conversation, because I am always so fascinated by everyone we've been talking to on Sea of the World and how you get to where you are. So how did you get from point A to B? We're, this role that you're doing today, because VP Zoological Operations sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it is, it is pretty cool. It's um, it's like a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. It's it's a pretty new position <laughs> for me, so I uh, am still kind of getting used to it. But um, I actually got interested in marine biology back in high school. I had a marine biology teacher that was really into marine biology. I mean, he loved it. And I grew up in Washington State, and we would go on field trips but like at nighttime when like squid oh. eggs would come out and all these all these nocturnal animals in Puget Sound would be um, right near the shore or on the shore and I just I it was it was so cool just growing up around all that stuff and and seeing all the different animals in in uh, in the sound and so I I thought that's probably something that I want to do you know when I go to college and so I did I, I got a degree in marine biology and you know, when I went back to college in the fall, you know, I'd go to I'd go to parties and and stuff, uh, and people would go, "Hey, you're the whale guy," you know, and <laughs> it's not that, you know, at 19 or now 20 years old, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> um, you know, I tell people a lot of times that I I got pretty lucky in my career, which is true, but um, but I think the luck kind of came from a lot of hard work you know, and, and yeah. dedication and, um, doing things, you know, for, in the animal's best interest and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to work with everything from baby belugas to baby walrus, baby sea otters, baby killer whales all around the world. It really is, it's something special, you know, and, and something that, you know, I hope that my kids kind of learn from, uh, they don't, they don't think it's as cool as I do. But, you know, they're teenagers, so. <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah. I have one, too. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so then what do you tell them your job is? Because obviously I introduce you and I say you're vice president of zoological operations. But what is that? So so it's funny that you ask that because uh, for most of their growing up years, I was a curator of rescue. And 
that's a pretty self-explanatory job description or do- job title. You know, I go out and rescue animals, um, marine right. mammals, sea turtles, seabirds, and shorebirds. When I came home and said, hey, I got promoted to vice president, they were like, whoop-de-doo, you know? <laughs> so then they go- How old are your kids? Uh, 20 and 17. Yeah, they're not phased by anything. <laughs> yeah, no. They said, well, so what does that mean? And I go, basically, I uh, play a part in all the animals' lives at SeaWorld. It's a big responsibility when you think of it like that. The decisions that I, that I get to make and, and have to make affect their well-being and their welfare. So um, it's something that I, I don't take lightly, for sure. And I try not to take myself too seriously, either. You know, <laughs> I mean, really, we still are playing with animals when it comes down to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so obviously that's a perk. You get to play with animals. You get to do all these wonderful things. If you had to pick one favorite thing that you get to do or one favorite part of being the vice mm. president, mm, could you pick one? When I first started working with marine mammals and realizing how smart they are, you know, and how fast they catch on to things and uh, that they they really do enjoy interaction. And it's not always, it's not always about food. You know, it can be about, it's just like, like your dog at home, you know, right. you, you don't always give Rover a treat. You know, sometimes it's, you throw the ball for him or you, you give him a, a belly rub or, you know, something like that. That's just as reinforcing a lot of times, you know, as, as getting a milk bone. So, um, when we had polar bears here, we were able to train those bears without normal uh, hands-on technique. You, you, there's not a lot of people who can say they've trained a polar bear hands-on, and that, that includes me, because they're pretty, they can be very, very dangerous. Yeah. But when, when you can get a polar bear that you can't, you can't get right up next to, and you can't, you can't rub them down, you can't pet them, you, know, um, you have to come up with new and different ways of reinforcing what you want to teach them. Uh, and then they finally get it, and it's something special. Uh, it's it's really cool. I do have to ask, how yeah. do you get them to do that if you're not able to touch them or pet them or? It takes a lot of time, and it depends on on the the behavior that you're that you're trying to get from them. So I started easy, you know, like just teach them to sit. Well, this is a trade secret, so keep it between us. But okay, uh, yeah, Go bears ahead. are lazy. So if they stand there and then you stand there long enough, they're just gonna sit. And so then you say, sit, reinforce them, <laughs> boom, you're done. <laughs> um, That's hysterical. Yeah, there are, there are more complicated ones, but um, it's really like training, you know, any other animal. You get them to, to kind of look or, or, or um, touch with their nose or their face or their paw or hip or whatever, this a, a target. And, um, and the reinforcement that you give them is hopefully something that is going to increase the odds that that's, that behavior will happen again. Now, on, on a conservation side, I think the best part of the job here is when we get a rescued animal, whether it's you know, a snowy plover, a little, a little tiny bird. We had one that weighed about the size of three peanut M&Ms. That's, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is not very big. <laughs> no. Or, or a Guadalupe fur seal that at one point was... Um, they thought Guadalupe fur seals were extinct back in the 40s and 50s. And then in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, they started showing up in Southern California again. And uh, so they have been since 
upgraded to threatened, which is still not great, but it's better than endangered, right? So um, mm-hmm. they really come in in bad shape. Um, a lot of times mm-hmm. they're, they're practically two-dimensional. When mm-hmm. we pick them up off the beach, it's just bones and fur. And some of them, you know, not all the animals that we rescue make it necessarily, but yeah. we've gotten pretty good at, at rescuing fur seals. And these little guys come in and to look at them, you like you have probably a 5% chance. But then when it becomes 100% and we get to, to release that one that you didn't think was going to make it, and then, you know, two, three months later, he's on the boat and jumping off the boat into the ocean. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's like, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a huge feeling of accomplishment for, for our team. And then they swim away and don't, they don't even turn around. You know, they're just later. They're like, I'm waving. Where's no my waving. thank you? No, no waving. Yeah, no thank you. No waving. No like, oh, you guys mean so much to me. Thank you for everything. No, it's not Love like that. You. It's like, yeah, yeah. Peace, I'm out. I'm, I'm peace out, yeah. <laughs> Eric, I want to talk about this Sea Lions viral video um, that had like 12 million views. So tell me more about it. What were the sea lions doing? And is that like a normal thing that they do? Yeah, it, it is. When you watch the video, you see two male sea lions. And that is something that's, that's fairly common. You know, male sea lions are like male anything else's. That they, <laughs> they, want to, they want to breed and they want to dominate the other males so that they can't breed. Beachgoers quite, had quite a square after getting a little too close to some sea lions at the La Jolla Cove. The video now, though, gone viral nationwide. A viewer who took this video Friday afternoon says that she started recording when she noticed a woman getting very close to a sleeping sea lion for a picture. While she was taking those photos, the sea lion woke up and then started charging at her and several other people. Another smaller sea lion also decided to chase the crowd, even coming very close to a young girl. Luckily, though, nobody was hurt, and the sea lions did swim off into the water, though. The uh, video has since had more than 7 million views and million likes on TikTok. It's an incredible video. Let a sleeping sea lion lie. That's right. Leave it alone. So these, these two guys happen to be at La Jolla Cove, you can snorkel there. You can you can see sea lions swimming around you. You can see all kinds of sea life. You can see um, leopard sharks down there. You know, uh, just kind of swimming along the bottom. Um, Garibaldi, uh, you know, the, the the goldfish. You know, the, the state fish of California. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of stuff to look at. The sea lions also like that area because it is a um, it's a preserve. So you can't you can't drive your boat out there. Um, you can't fish out there for sure. So the sea lions have this kind of protected cove and basically a grocery store right next to them. So <laughs> next, just a little bit west of, and I mean like connected west um, of the cove is Point La Jolla. That is a nice bluffy kind of area, uh, a little bit of cliffs and a little bit of flat rock that provides a nice safe area for California sea lions to have their pups. So they've kind of made that home. And these two males happened to be on the Cove Beach during breeding season, and one of them woke up. The first one that you see kind of running was basically running away 
from the bigger guy. I mentioned to a reporter, you know, it looked like everybody was running from Godzilla. Well, it's, <laughs> it does kind of look like that. It makes, us, it makes us laugh, you know. Running from them is not necessarily a bad idea. They, they, the, those sea lions were not chasing people. Both of those sea lions, especially the, the first one that was running the furthest, had ample opportunity to do whatever he wanted to a number of uh, what I call targets or people. You know, but, um, and he doesn't care. He could care less about people. He was worried about the big dude chasing him down. He's like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I, I, my main goal is to get away from this guy because he's going to kick my rear. <laughs> so, um, well, so what should, what should humans do? Like if we're ever in that situation with sea lions, give them their space. First of all, they will come up, um, when it is breeding season, that's that's all they do. They they don't go out and swim. They don't go out and eat. They will drop a bunch of weight because they're only thinking about one thing, two things. <laughs> one of them is obvious, and the other one is sleeping. So oh wow, yeah. So they will rest like a typical but, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no comment. <laughs> um, so these guys probably came up and were resting. And if people get too close to them, they will kind of wake up. And, and all it takes is one sea lion to notice that there's another sea lion kind of close to his quote-unquote territory. And right. that's all it takes. In this case, people and sea lions kind of share that cove beach. And people were just kind of a little bit too close. So to get back, you know, that's a long-winded way of saying that people really need to just give them space there's there is a yeah. an act called the uh, marine mammal protection act that was put in place in 1972 and that requires people to stay um 150 feet from pinnipeds you know seals sea lions walrus stuff like that uh, that doesn't D- always during that particular season when they're mating all the, always or, oh okay yeah yeah always now that doesn't mean that they can't come up to you part of the marine mammal protection act is to violate it, you know, one, you would have to be closer than 150 feet, but two, you you have to be altering their natural behavior. So okay. if you're, if you're swimming, snorkeling around the cove or down the, um, Coronado islands, you know, down here, just off Tijuana, there's a lot of sea lions out there that'll just kind of come up to you and check you out and then swim around you and then swim off. Is that an, a violation of the Marine Protection Act? Probably not because they came up to you. So right. that, that happens a lot where animals and humans kind of intermingle. Safety-wise, you know, we've all seen the videos of people in Yellowstone getting too close to buffalo or, or elk, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Sea lions can be just as dangerous. I mean, those the big guy that was chasing the, the faster the faster one was mm-hmm. probably pushing three 400 pounds. Wow. And I can tell you from experience, it's not very fun going up against one of those guys. So, you know, getting out of their way is the prudent thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but it's by no means were, were those sea lions chasing people. You know, they were, they were just chasing each other and, and the first one was getting out of the way, you know, and, and it made a great TikTok, you know. And, yeah, yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Eric, you were talking about, you know, mating season and they are, you know, fighting each other and all that and protecting their territory or whatever. But how long does that season typically last, mating season? 
about a month, maybe six weeks or so. Maybe stretch it out to two months, but not very long. It follows pupping season. So the... Well, what's the... Yeah, I heard you say pupping earlier, and I don't know what that means. I have a guess, but what is mating versus, say, pupping season? Yeah, so pupping season is when they have their babies. Okay. That starts around the end of May, um, and then really hits hard around the middle of June. If you were to take a sample of California sea lion births, you know, out in the Channel Islands off the coast here in California, most likely most of those birthdays are going to be June 15th. It really tails off around the beginning of July. So by the, by the beginning of the second week of July, it's pretty much over. So at the end of June and into July and a little bit into August, uh, the males come in, like the big guys, and they get these harems of females, um, which is just a, you know, a big group of females that they want to breed with. And so they do. And then next year they'll have those pups. That's got to be the cutest thing to see little baby, little pup sea lions. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they're super cute. They're very cute. So you're doing a lot of sea lion rescue on the West Coast there. How how does that differ from like maybe during the rest of the year when there's not pupping season, there's not mating season, it's just regular, you know, you're doing normal rescues. Is there maybe an increase because of mating or pupping season that you're having to do more sea lion rescues? Yeah, and it's not just sea lions. Um, there is definitely a sea lion. Or there is definitely a season for rescues for marine mammals, especially, and that is typically between end of January to about the middle of the third week of July. And that is because each type of animal that we typically rescue here—California sea lions, harbor seals, and northern elephant seals—those are those are our most common customers. Those guys all have certain seasons where they have a pupping season, then they have a breeding season, but before the pupping season is kick your kid out of the house season. So Uh if mom uh, pregnant and she's going to have another baby, then she basically is like, okay, you're on your own because I got got a new one coming. So yeah, so sometimes those little guys who are turning just a year old um, haven't figured out exactly how to eat on their own, how to forage, mm. how to defend themselves. And marine mammals rely on their food for all their hydration. So, you know, if, if you start getting dehydrated, you know, the first thing the doctor says, right, if you have a, a cold or, or anything is that is drink a lot of water. Yep. They, they don't drink water. Uh, it's all salt water that they're in. <clears throat> so um, they rely on the food they eat. If they get under the weather and then stop eating, then they just dehydrate and then they get skinny, and then they feel even worse, and then they don't want to eat even more, or less, I guess, whichever. And then they go to the beach, and then they wait. And they wait for either they miraculously start feeling better, or somebody calls and says a sea lion or a seal or whatever needs help. And the same goes for birds. Our bird rescue is um, pretty prolific. You know, the we just passed uh, the 40,000... Um, rescue number earlier this year, which is yeah. which is a pretty pretty good feat. Now, you know, we hesitate to say that we celebrated forty thousand rescues because it's not really a number to celebrate. We we wish that we didn't have to do it. There are a number of instances where there uh, human caused things that that made them become a need to be rescued. 
Um, mm. So we, we don't necessarily want to have to rescue them. Hopefully we get to a place where everybody has taken such great care of the natural environment that we don't have to rescue animals anymore. You know, that would be, that would be awesome. So would, would you say that humans are the biggest threat to the species then? Not necessarily uh, the biggest. They're, they, I mean, they definitely, we, I should say, definitely yeah. have an impact. You know, when we go out on returns, when we return them back to their ocean habitat, I mean, it's, it's pretty much every time we pick up balloons or trash or mm-hmm. something floating in the, in the ocean, you know, that's not supposed to be there. Eric, every single um, guest that we have had on See the World, we always like to end with the same exact question. So before we let you go, we're going to ask you, what is the best thing you have seen in the world? That's a, that's a really good question. And I have to say, probably see my boys be born. Mm. You know, it was cool. The doctor was, was really cool. You know, I had worked with a bunch of baby animals, including helping them, you know, give birth and, and stuff like that. So I told him that and I was, uh, he let me be the first person to touch him. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So seeing those guys get born, I think is probably, I mean, that we have two of them, so I guess that's the top two, but it was kind of the same thing. <laughs> that's a double good answer, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We love doing this so much um, and we appreciate your time. So thank you very much. No problem. Anytime. Thanks for having us on. Of course. I love this. I feel like I learn something every single podcast and I learned something new again today. And I hope you did too. I'm Cindy Simmons and join us on the next See the World. As always, make sure to check out SeaWorld.com and select your favorite park to stay in the loop on all of the great things happening at SeaWorld. And lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you subscribed, left a review, and shared this podcast with all of your wonderful friends. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time.